It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Andy Staples on 3. Happy National Signing Day. What a day it was. I hope you're watching on 3's coverage all day. I hope you're watching Josh Newberg and J.D. Piquel and Chad Simmons during the day as the action was going on. The NLIs were rolling in. The flips were happening. There were there were several flips. Flips at the top. Flips that took teams out of the top. It was a uh, it was quite a day. It was quite a day. We have a huge show for you tonight. We've got the coaches involved in a lot of these stories. Kirby Smart, who is the number one class in 2024. We've got Eli Drinkwitz, who signed the number one player in 2024 in the on three rankings, Williams and Wary. We've got Matt Rule at Nebraska, who signed the quarterback that he absolutely had to have and got invited to a random wedding while recruiting one of the, one of the tight ends they signed. We got Mario Cristobal, who was flipping him like crazy on National Signing Day to Miami. We got Dan Lanning, who explains why sometimes in recruiting, it's okay to finish second. We got Shane Beamer at South Carolina, who explains the difference between recruiting the number one player in the state in 2009 and recruiting the number one player in the state in 2023. The world has changed considerably. All of that on today's show. Let's talk about where everything wound up. So as we record this, well, we're not recording, we're live. So get in the chat. Feel free to heckle. As we talk, Georgia sits firmly at number one. And what was going to be number Remember, Georgia lost a five-star quarterback early in the week in Dylan Riola, but the Bulldogs replaced him with five-star safety K.J. Bolden from Buford, Georgia, who flipped away from Florida State. That was a big move. Now, when you hear Kirby Smart later in the show, he's not talking about K.J. Bolden yet because when we recorded this, K.J. Bolden had yet to flip. This is one of those deals where there's a lot of moving pieces on National Signing Day. The coaches aren't allowed to talk about somebody until their National Letter of Intent is in. So Bolden hadn't sent his into Georgia yet, so we couldn't talk to Kirby about that yet. But you can tell that Kirby's in a really good mood because something good was about to happen. Meanwhile, Alabama finishes number two. It was a fairly quiet day for the Crimson Tide. They didn't need to do much. They already had a great class. Obviously, Julian Sayan, the quarterback, from Carlsbad, California, the centerpiece of that class. Ohio State finishes three, and they hung on. After losing a receiver to Oregon, they hung on to Jeremiah Smith, the number one receiver in the country, and the guy who may look an awful lot like Marvin Harrison Jr. once he gets to campus, because this is a dynamic guy. This is one of those that Florida State and Miami were in hot, hot, hot pursuit. We're not giving up. Florida was still trying to get him, but Ohio State held on. Great quote from Ryan Day. He was at his press conference when word came down that, that Jeremiah Smith had said, hey, 
I'm sticking to my commitment to Ohio State. I'm good. I'm coming. And Ryan Day said, yeah, the beer will taste a little bit better tonight. So Miami, all the way up to number four. The Canes got some flips in this class. Uh, we we have Mario Cristobal on the show talking about flips. There's actually a flip that happened in November that really kicked things off, but they got a Darius Hayes, the linebacker who was committed to Florida going to National Signing Day. He signs with Miami, and they they were they were very busy on National Signing Day. Armando Blount, who had gone over to Florida State, came back to Miami, another defensive lineman. This is a, a very good D-line class for Miami. Uh, last year was kind of centered around the offensive line. This year, the headline is the defensive line. So that's the good news. Those are the teams that had really good days. Oregon had a good day. You're going to hear from Dan Lanning later tonight about the second place aspect of it, which works in recruiting and in the transfer portal. Jeremiah McClellan is a receiver who, well, they thought they were in second for him at one point in his recruitment. But on Wednesday, they wound up signing him. McClellan was committed to Ohio State going into the day and ends up signing with Oregon. Now, I mentioned... Hayes going to Miami. Uh, Florida lost several players, but they kept the biggest two. It's it's very interesting. They started a week in the top five. They finished Wednesday night number 16, but they got the two guys they wanted the most, DJ Lagway, the quarterback from Willis, Texas, LJ McCray, the edge rusher from Daytona Beach. But it's kind of a bittersweet one for the Gators because this class doesn't look all that different in terms of ranking from some of those Dan Mullen classes, it's got two very special guys at the top, but some of the, the, the meat of the class was picked off by Auburn, by Miami. And, you know, it's uh, Texas A&M got one of the players that had been committed to Florida. So it, it's not as good of a class as Billy Napier and company had hoped. So we shall see uh, one mystery remaining. Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle prospect, still hasn't signed. He has committed to Colorado very publicly, but not signed a letter of intent yet. And now there's talk that he may go to Maryland. So the Colorado class right now ranked 42nd in the on three industry rankings. That is including a commit from Jordan Seaton. But if he doesn't actually sign, that, that Coach Prime's class is going to drop quite a bit. So we will see what happens with that. But let us get started with the cavalcade of coaches. And, of course, we start with the guy who finished number one. Kirby Smart, the Georgia Bulldogs, building in the trenches once again. Joined now by Georgia head coach Kirby Smart and, and coach double-digit offensive and defensive linemen signees in this class. You guys have, have homegrown the big guys, even in the transfer portal era. How important is it to get those guys and develop them the way the way you want to develop them? Yeah, I think it's the key to success. You know, the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage are 
critical. Um, you can't win football games without big people, and um, that's proven year in and year out. Uh, the size of the teams that win national championships, it's hard to get those uh, the, the, those size guys out of the portal. When you look across the portal, it's really hard to find offensive and defensive linemen. So I think you have to grow and develop them. The, the, the key is, number one, finding them. The next thing is keeping them because uh, sometimes they're positions that, that take a while to play. So you just have to understand it takes a little bit. So you've got Nair Daniels and Marcus Harrison. They're both over six foot seven. Harrison's 335. Daniels is 371. Now, I know you're not recruiting we these hope. guys unless <laughs> – we, we, we hope he's 370. <laughs> well, I know you're not recruiting these guys if they're not athletes. Like, are you amazed at how huge humans have gotten and can still move? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a – a cycle of continuous growth with these guys you cross the nfl and you know i can remember stories 10 15 years ago where i thought there's no way a guy could play and that guy's playing in the nfl right now that i didn't think could play because he couldn't move in high school so you're looking at high, uh, height weight size uh, it's hard to get around a big human being it's just at the end of the day you can't run around them they get in the way they move people and they're the difference in wins and losses so you got one qb in this class it's ryan puglisi he committed in October of 2022. He never cared if this was going to be a two QB class or a one QB class. What is it about this guy that that stuck out to you that early? And and he stuck with you through the recruitment of a pretty high profile guy who wound up going to Nebraska. Yeah, Ryan's a special kid. It was never about that for him. We were very honest and transparent from the time he committed, and he. He was open to that. He didn't care. He just felt like it would be better competition for him uh, to get better each and every day. He goes against somebody. He he wanted to be coached. He wanted to be developed. He wanted to be part of the Georgia family. Um, his he's got a wonderful family that has been committed to athletics. They got tremendous uh, siblings that are that are really good athletes. And when he came down here, he's got a really talented uh, release, uh, quick release. These guys that are former baseball players very much like Carson. They get it in and out of their glove really quick. And in today's age of college football, that that transition could make two steps for the guy catching the ball. Um, and, and that's the difference in wins and losses on short yardage plays and, and RPOs. So speaking of Carson, he had a decision to make. He's decided to come back. But for the last month or so, how much did, did his decision weigh on decisions you made with regard to this recruiting class, with regard to the transfer portal? How much of that is all kind of mashed into one thing now? Well, I don't know that his decision had any uh, uh, effect or outcome on this year's signing class. I mean, you're talking about the two polar opposites, right? The guys coming in, the guys going out. I, I think from a transfer portal standpoint, um, you know, we would have had to make some decisions at quarterback. We feel really good about the quarterback we have here on campus with uh, Gunner. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player, but we probably would have needed some guys to come in and compete. That's a that's a that's a really tough situation. You only have one quarterback on scholarship, two counting Puglisi. So we we were open to looking around there. But as far as Carson's decision, it was on his timeline, what he felt comfortable with, what he wanted to do, and the information he got uh, encouraged him to to come back and continue to grow. I know you've been asked a bunch about you know, the, the number of Georgia guys in the class, the, the number of, of guys not from the state of Georgia in the last few classes you've taken. But I, I'm curious, how much has recruiting changed in terms of how willing these top recruits are to go away from home? Because I'm thinking about when you and I were in college, most schools had a, a roster of mostly guys from their state. And it just doesn't seem like that at the elite level anymore. 
Yeah, there's very a lot of transient athletes. I mean, these kids are not afraid to travel. They travel as part of their youth. You know, these kids are growing up playing in FBUs and playing all over the country. And now every kid I talk to is like, well, I go to, to Orlando. I go play in California. I mean, there's kids we're recruiting next year that have little brothers that are traveling and playing every weekend. So the traveling part doesn't bother them. Social media has brought them closer to other kids. They know about kids in Washington and Cali as well. So they do 30 minutes down the road because they, they interact with them on social media. So kids travel a lot more. Um, you have access to see a lot more huddle tape where you see kids from all over where you should not be able to do that. So I, I still will argue that our state supplies the highest uh, NFL uh, players per capita because we have such great football uh, in our state. And it's one of the things that haunts me all the time of who are we missing that is going to develop into a great player from our state that we may be missing out on. And, and that, that's, that's hard. That's, that's, there's no exact science to that. And that's why you send the coaches all over the state to even the tiniest little high schools. Cause I, I've heard coaches in the state of Georgia say, you know, Georgia winning national titles, doesn't have to show its face all the time, but it seems like you guys do show your face everywhere in the state. Well, that's important. I mean, the, the relationships, the, those are the same guys who are developing kids in our state and know the uh, know the kids in their area. They might say, hey, there's a kid over here at this place we really think is a good player, and we value their opinion. We think the best evaluators uh, in all of uh, recruiting are the high school coaches who interact with these kids every day. They're giving us the, the real truth, not the uh, – the made up truth. And so I, I enjoy listening to them um, and I want their trust and uh, we want them to help get their players to our place. That's how you find a lad McConkey. Uh, I did want to ask about one particular sign you already have him in practice for the bowl game. Uh, Ellis Robinson, uh, the corner from IMG Academy. How, how valuable is that experience where even before spring practice, he actually gets to see and feel the speed of this thing? Yeah, I, I think it does tremendous amount for their confidence. You know, I've, I've talked to college coaches across the country that, that I always try to pick people's reign. Like, do you bring your mid-years in? Do you let them come to, to bowl practices? And a lot of guys, you know, they want to focus on the team. They want to focus on the bowl game. They want to focus on the playoffs if they're in the playoffs. I really like doing it. I think it uh, integrates those guys into the team. They come back much more comfortable. Uh, they know what to do in spring. I mean, they're almost getting a spring practice in before spring practice. And, and Ellis is one of those guys, along with maybe eight or nine other guys that are out there interacting with our guys. So uh, it wakes them up a little bit. And maybe a guy that might be a little overweight realizes, I, I better cut this weight quick. Yeah, and, and they don't get as shocked when they, they get in the weight room for the first time either. That's all another big one. But all right, last question. And, and a little birdie told me that Mary Beth, your wife, <laughs> has shows queued up to binge when you finally get a chance to breathe. So that's coming up here in a few days. What what are we binging? <laughs> well, I, I think she might be on hold. I might, I, I might, that might be 10 years at the rate college football is before <laughs> I get the time to actually watch those shows because there's no end in sight for this uh, uh, drinking water through a fire hose. That is not an analogy. That is real life. And I don't see an end in sight for that. Maybe February when it goes dead, but uh, that, that's, that's the true uh, slowdown time. That's right. We know you're waiting on a couple more guys to announce today. Obviously, you got the portal and you got the Orange Bowl. Kirby, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Go dogs. All right. I got to tell you about prize picks right now because they are our sponsor for today's National Signing Day show. And we're celebrating Flipmas and Pixmas at the same time. So you had Flipmas on National Signing Day, Pixmas is coming up 
how do you play prize picks? You pick squares. You pick a player. They've got all the different sports. They've got NFL, college football, NBA, you name it. And they have, you pick the, the square and you say, I think this player is going to have more than or less than this many yards, this many points. Well, they're giving you a gift this Christmas because, you know, the NBA has the Christmas Day games. Well, if Kevin Durant scores one point, then you've won that square. So you got that one. You've also got your demon and goblin picks, which the goblin picks, those squares, easier, but they don't they don't potentially multiply your, your earnings as much. The demon picks, they're tougher to get, but you can make up to a hundred times what you put down on those demon picks. So like there's a there's a really interesting Derek Carr one with Thursday night football in the NFL with the Saints and the Rams. So check that one out. But also check out the college football ones. The Sugar Bowl. Roma Dunze, Washington receiver, 99 and a half receiving yards, more or less against Texas. Jatavian Sanders, that Texas tight end, 43 and a half receiving yards, more or less. Will Riker, the Alabama kicker in the Rose Bowl, six and a half kicking points, more or less. Lots of different options. Use the code NSD. You, you, you download the Prize Picks app. Use that code NSD as a national signing day. And they will match your first deposit up to $100. So you deposit $100, they match you $100 right there. You deposit $50, they match you $50, and then you get to pick in squares. You pick at least two. And remember, if you're going before Christmas, you got that Kevin Durant one sitting right there. If he scores one point, you're going to win it. So go to Prize Picks, download it. The code is NSD as in National Signing Day, and they will match your first deposit up to $100. All right. We were talking about Jeremiah Smith and Ohio State. And I, I'm looking in the chat and I see, first thing I see from Tyler, Jeremiah Smith to the U. Okay, that is still, as we speak, officially possible. Because we haven't seen Ohio State say that they've gotten Jeremiah Smith's national letter of intent yet. So that is not a done, done, done deal. Though Jeremiah Smith has said in front of a bunch of people, He's going to Ohio State. He did an interview with rivals wearing an Ohio State hat saying, I'm going to be in Columbus January 7th. That said, still not there yet. And so, you know, you've seen these situations before. Sometimes they get interesting. So we will see by the end of the night, by the end of the show, maybe something will have changed. Maybe by the morning, something will have changed. But that is still the situation. So, the U fans not giving up hope. Miami fans not giving up hope. Probably Florida State fans not giving up hope. But we shall find out. Uh, one more from Elixir. Says, I hope Florida State can own the transfer portal this year to make up for the losses in the class. Talking about K.J. Bolden specifically. I, I will point out a stat. And we're going to have Mike Norvell on tomorrow's show. But I will point out a stat. Double-digit top 200 players in this class for Florida State. For the first time, this first time they've done that since 2016. And I'm telling you right now, that is a sign of a healthy program. I didn't know how long it was going to take for them to get back to that point. You know, I remember watching the, the Willie Taggart years and then Norvell's first couple of years. You didn't know if they'd be able to do that. I think the success they've had in the transfer portal has actually helped them get a broader base in the high school recruiting ranks. I think they're going to be just fine. I, I'm not that worried about them because they got 
KJ Bolden flipped. I know some of the fans I saw, you know, obviously Travis Hunter two years ago. You don't like the the highest profile guy in the class getting flipped. But I'm telling you right now, this feels like a much deeper class than Florida State has been signing. So I wouldn't get all that worried about it. Place where they're absolutely celebrating, though, because they got the guy that they wanted is Lincoln, Nebraska. Next up on the show, Nebraska coach Matt Rule. He signed Dylan Riola, five-star quarterback, son of Nebraska great Dominic Riola. This is this is the guy that Matt Rule was told you need to go sign him. And well, he did it. Here's Matt Rule. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome, Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. The most popular man in the state of Nebraska. Well, now you're probably the second most popular guy in the state of Nebraska. I think your new quarterback, Dylan Riola, might be the most popular. Uh, what was it like when that – did it roll off a fax machine? Does it come in email? How, how did that – how did that arrive today? Uh, you know what? Um, I missed the days of the fax machine going off, everybody like <laughs> freezing and want, uh, wanting to hear who it is. Um, now it just kind of comes in electronically and someone stands up and yells. And I still make us all get in one room like the old days. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very electronic now. It's not quite the same as, like, who forgot to put the paper in and you're yelling at somebody. That, those were good days. So with, with Dylan, you found out – Monday night that, that he's definitely coming. We we had heard about a week earlier that that was going to be a possibility. How did that process work? And, and when did it, you start to realize, okay, we've got a shot to land this guy. Yeah, it really was. Um, it was, it was last Sunday, uh, you know, kind of a week before it became official. Uh, and he just, you know, reached out and just said, Hey coach, listen, I, you know, my heart's there. I think I want to, I want to be there, you know? And, um, you know, I, I, I encouraged him to think about it. You know, I didn't want it to be, you know, anything emotional or, you know, you know, wanted to be for the right reasons. And when I heard his reasons, you know, I mean, just how much Nebraska means to him and his family and, and what, what being a part of uh, returning us to greatness would mean to him. Um, I recognized that it was real. So he came and visited and, and uh, uh, he and his family felt great about it. And now he's a Husker. So got to ask you, I saw this, this tweet, cause you've been pretty dark on Twitter for a while. You sent this tweet out. And this was in the process of it looked like you guys might be getting Dylan. And I'm not sure if this was about Dylan or this was about something else. So we, we've been we've been noodling over this one for a while. But you tweeted, can't wait until people hear what I've heard, see what I've seen, and know what I know. So what is that? Oh, you know what? Um, I, that was, you know, we had just been, we, 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 had, we had the guys in for the visit this weekend. So, you know. Uh, uh, Vincent Shavers, who just, you know, mm -hmm. Miami just committed to us today. And uh, um, uh, uh, Bly Hill, who took us a transfer portal uh, uh, player, um, and Dylan. And then we went out to, to, to link uh, to Ainsworth to see Carter Nelson, one of our right. top signees. And so um, just as I like really just honestly, like we went to see him uh, at the basketball game and then hung out with all the people in the town, man, and then went and ate at the Elks and then 
went over to, to the local community center and went to a wedding for people that had invited us that we didn't know. And I was just like, <laughs> well, if everyone could know what I know about what makes Nebraska great, if everyone could know what I know about, like how, how, how great this program is going to be. And um, so it was really something more like that, maybe with some other little things in there, but uh, you know, um, you know, to me that it was just about like, we don't need these little edges to get ourselves to the top, man. Like we are going to get there the hard way, the right way. And uh, um, usually when I do that, recruits kind of know what I'm saying and it's really my message to them. Um, It makes a lot, you know, Sometimes Julie looks at me like, you know, hey, you know, what are you trying to say here, buddy? I'm like, <laughs> it's just about recruiting, babe. So, so you mentioned Carter Nelson. This is a, a good transition to that question because he's from Ainsworth, Nebraska, the other side of the state. Was a critical recruit for you when you got a, a guy that good in the state of Nebraska and you're Nebraska, you got to get him. You had, you know, Ohio State, Notre Dame, all of those schools trying to get him. He goes to the Ohio State Notre Dame game on a visit. Everybody's wondering, oh, is he going to flip? Is he going to flip? How critical was that? And then tell me about the town of Ainsworth and people just randomly inviting you to weddings. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, you're right. Getting Carter was 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 critical. A, because of the player he is. I mean, he, he's exactly the type of player we want on offense, you know, can play wide out, can play tight end, can play running back, you know, a positionless player that we can do so many things with. You know, his sky's the limit. Uh, he grew up loving, uh, you know, the University of Nebraska. And so for him to come here, I think it signals to people that, like, you know what, you can achieve all your dreams here. Um, so, yeah, we just it was huge for us to get him and, and really having a battle to the very end. I mean, we sent 10 coaches there on Saturday. Um, this is this is not a guy that people, you know, just gave up on. And, and a credit to him and his family that he wants to be here. But I'll tell you this, and I mean this, um, I've been to some towns in this in this state, and it just humbles me to be the coach here um, and you go to Ainsworth and I've been there three times and, you know, uh, six year old, seven year old, eight year old, 15 year old, 13 year old, you know, all these young kids coming up to you, man. And like, they know everything about recruiting and they're fired up and they're talking about plays during the season and coach. Now it's about time you call a fake punt, you know, and I mean, it's just a cool place to be. And then you go into town and you meet people and um, people love their Huskers, but more importantly, they're kind and they're, they're decent and they're awesome. And so I've loved my time there. And, um, First time I ever showed up to a wedding and they, they told me I was invited and uh, great people, uh, two teachers. And uh, hopefully we, uh, hopefully we uh, left a good impression on everyone. Uh, now I'm just imagining, I don't know. Are you Vince Vaughn or are you Owen Wilson in Wedding Crashers? Which, which one are you? Are, are you, you're yelling hot route, right? I am 100% Vince Vaughn, baby. <laughs> we lost a lot of good men out there playing for the Cornhuskers. It's it is incredible, but th- that is that's the stories you get in in recruiting. Where I, I imagine you you've had these experiences, whether it's been at Nebraska or, or at Baylor or at Temple, where you go into some of these small towns where the town basically takes you over for for a couple days. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that, that's the thing that I love about recruiting. Um, you know, I try to get down and see every family that I can see, uh, preferably in their home. Though sometimes that doesn't work out, but. You know, I, I, I want to look every parent, every grandparent, every guardian in the eye. You know, my son is a senior. My son still lives in Charlotte, and he's coming to Nebraska to be a freshman in the fall with this class. And it's like, you know, my wife and I, we want to know um, where he's going to be and who he's going to be around. And so I love going and seeing the families, seeing the town, seeing all the people. And I love how much this team means to the state. And uh, I cannot wait 
to bring a winner back to, to the people of the state who have been so loyal for so long. And uh, we, we didn't quite get where we needed to get to this year, but we, we built a lot of building blocks. And uh, this class is a huge step in getting to where we want to be. So now that you can actually talk about Dylan Raiola, uh, so Sean Callahan from Husker Online, call, he calls him a grocery store recruit. So basically, anytime he goes to the grocery store, people are asking what's up with Dylan Raiola. Uh, so for you, how many times a day have you heard that name since you got the job? <laughs> well, I don't go to the grocery store. <laughs> I, I Instacart it. Um, no. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard it a ton. Um, you know, obviously there was a time there where he committed to, to Georgia and, and uh, you know, we, you know, we obviously we pivoted and, and, and we have another great quarterback in Daniel Kalen and mm -hmm. elite player, a, a loyal guy that's you know, local that's I think has unbelievable skills and talents. And so, you know, to me, when you look at the totality of this class, um, we, we had a great class coming in. I, I just think that Dylan brings a national profile to it. It brings attention to it. Uh, you know, we got, you know, we got the, you know, Grant Bricks from, from just, you know, over the border in Iowa, beat a lot of people on them. So when you're at Nebraska and you start, you start winning these recruiting battles on guys that have their choice of where to go. Um, to me, it, uh, it, it's the way we want to do it. And I'm excited to have it happen. Well, and, and let's talk about Grant Bricks because this is a, an elite offensive lineman. Everybody needs offensive linemen. Uh, we talked to Kirby Smart earlier today about, you know, how how to build that position. He says the only way to build it is is through high school guys. How important is it when when there's somebody like that close by? And look, you got a, a great offensive line producing school in his state in your conference that you got to deal with. How do you how do you convince a guy like that to come? You know, um, it's a great question. I think I think for Grant, uh, this was all about relationships and player development. Um, he had some great opportunities to go to a lot of different schools, and I, I think I think we're special in what we do offensive line wise. And you mentioned, you know, you know who, who does it better than Kirk Ferentz? Not many, right? But you know, you have a lot of schools recruiting guys to come and you know run two or three offensive schemes, be a zone team, you know, be a no huddle team, and that's great. And I have no issues with that. Uh, we, we want guys that want to come and be NFL players, and we want them to understand that if you play for, for our program, if you play for Coach Raiola, if you play for Marcus Satterfield, Matt Rule, man, when you, when you get into the next level, you'll understand five-man protection, six-man protection, sword protections. You'll, you'll have run inside zone, outside zone. You'll put your hand in the dirt. You'll have trained. I mean, this is an offensive line generating place, and so that's, uh, that's, that's hopefully one of our differences, and I think for a guy like Grant, big, powerful. He wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to get in the huddle, break the huddle, go up to the line and, and uh, one play run outside zone, the next play run power, next play being five man protection and really develop. And uh, that was, that was key for us. I mean, we won't win if we don't win up front. I didn't know this conversation could get this sexy. Yeah. Like I can hear Andrew Whitworth and, and Joe Thomas just crying as you, <laughs> as you say those words, the, the guys who say that the, the guys coming out of college can't block anymore. Teaching him how to block Matt Rule, very nice. Yeah, to me, it's um, it's what we it's what we want to be. It's uh, you know, we we want to be we want to be this unique defense, uh, which which obviously worked this year, and we want to build towards being an offense like the 49ers that you know has a bunch of positionless players who can do a bunch of different things and a great quarterback behind them. And so, um, you know, just this class alone, I think we've hit a lot of those things. Last year's class, you know, as you post up some of the you know some of the things that happened this past year. A lot of our freshmen really helped us. And so two classes in, I feel really good about where we're at. I feel really good about the local area and getting players out of Nebraska and 
in the border states. And so do that, man, I think, I think Nebraska is going to be back. Matt rule, big, big prediction, but, but a big, big day on signing day too. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother. Sorry about that. Had my mic muted, but Matt Rule had to get Dylan Ryle. That was the guy when he got the job this time last year. Everyone said, This is the player you have to sign. If you don't sign anybody else, sign this guy. So he got him. And, and it's a big one. Uh, Mario Cristobal did not have a player like that in this class at Miami, but he did have an idea of how he wanted to continue building the program last year. They, they were headlining with offensive linemen. They got some really highly ranked offensive linemen. This year, defensive linemen. But also uh, did, a, did a lot of flipping there at the end. They got a linebacker away from Florida. Armando Blount was, was probably the, the biggest flip of the day. He was a 2025 guy who originally committed to Miami, but then he flipped to Florida State during the process, but also reclassified in 2024. Well, on Wednesday, he became a 2024 guy who signed with Miami. It was a big one for Mario Cristobal. And now, when we talked to Mario Cristobal, Jeremiah Smith had said he was going to Ohio State. The National Letter of Intent was not in when we talked to Mario Cristobal. As we're running this interview, it's still not in. He was seeming optimistic about some other stuff. He couldn't say what he was talking about, obviously, but... He did feel like he was a little bit optimistic. So we shall see what happens on that front. Again, I will remind you, Jeremiah Smith did say he's going to Ohio State. So we'll we'll see what, what ends up happening. But we know that Mario Cristobal landed a very good class and a very deep class of defensive linemen for Miami. Here's Mario. We are joined now by Miami head coach Mario Cristobal, and he's been he's been flipping them. He's like a pancake maker, flipping, flipping dudes. Uh, flipping from Florida. Well, I guess this is, Mario, this started, it feels like the fuse got lit with Justin Scott, who was committed to Ohio State. You guys flipped him about five weeks ago. He's a, a defensive tackle from Chicago that you've been recruiting the whole time. What was it about that guy and him deciding to join this class that, that kind of lit the fire? Well, uh, he's such a high caliber, um, just popular player. And people know that, you know, wherever he's going, uh, they're, they're probably going to be pretty good in that position. And I think he got along really well with our guys. And, you know, last year's freshman class has had great success here. And they know that the trajectory of this program is going this way. And it just, like you said, a little, it was a spark that lit a fire and, and it hasn't stopped. The momentum is building. And, and we're, we're still going, man. You know, we're over here working, and <laughs> there's a long way to go, and uh, we're, we're still working. Yeah, as we speak, you are not done. We're recording this about 4.15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. You you still have some some lines in the water waiting to see what, what comes back. What is what is that like as, as you go through signing day, and there's still some guys out there that you, you know are interested and you got a shot at? Is it nerve-wracking? Is it exciting? What, what, how does that feel? Well, I mean, come on, man. I love Miami. I was born and raised here and played here. And the first thing we had to attend to was the roster. And we knew that, man, it was such a drastic difference from 
when we were here as players to what it, it had gotten to. And now in our second full cycle, we have a chance to sign the two best classes in school history. So, I mean, nerve wracking isn't the word. Is there some anxiety in there? Without a doubt, there's some anxiety, but it's all excitement. It's all upside and it's all opportunity to get better. So there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of energy and it's uh, it's just been an awesome day. So last year, the headliners were, were the O-line, uh, Maui Noah and, and Okanola. And this year, it feels like the headline is the D-line. As an ex-offensive lineman, how, how critical is it to have guys like Justin Scott, like you know, like Artavius Jones, those guys in the middle there? Yeah, it's, it's a true iron sharpens iron mentality that now comes to fruition because now both sides have acquired some really high-level talent that loves to play physical and works really, really hard. So these practices will be epic. It'll start to look a lot like what it looked like um, back when we were players here. And uh, certainly those guys were a lot better players than I ever was. So I had a tough time trying to block them. I couldn't, but now, uh, man, it is, it's, I, I can't wait to see these guys on campus. About 26, 28 of these guys are gonna be here in January. So well, we're really, really excited. It's funny, what you just said reminds me of something uh, Art Kehoe, the longtime Miami offensive line coach told me once, he said, we got our asses whipped five days a week but then on saturday it worked out great because he was talking about how good miami's defensive line was in those years and it's interesting justin scott a, a chicago d tackle who, who's you know big and powerful and you mentioned in your press conference today russell maryland another d tackle from chicago from your era number one pick in the draft that's right that's right was my brother's roommate here a phenomenal player that didn't have much attention right back in the day before there was so much um you know, the internet, right? And being able to mm -hmm. track guys all over the place. So, uh, yeah, Chicago and Jared Payton, who, again, one of our esteemed long and great player here, man, got a chance to catch up with him. And Marquise Lightfoot, Chicago guy as yep. well. Miles Young is here from Chicago. We got Chicago to Miami is a real thing, and we intend to keep that going, man. I love going out there. Awesome football, awesome coaches, great place. Love it. So in, in the last few days, you you have managed to get some other guys into this class. Darius Hayes, the, the linebacker from Largo, Florida, was was the most recent one. How does that work when when you've been working on a guy for a while and then getting close to signing day, you start to feel like, all right, we we still really have a chance to get this guy. Honestly, it's it's almost like a game where you don't think about getting him, like you don't think about winning. You stay process oriented because we've seen it all. I mean, Andy, I, we've seen guys dressed up in our gear, pretending to sign and take a snapshot. And then when the papers come out, he signs somewhere else. We've seen it all. So until that stuff, until that paperwork gets in, the snapshot gets in, we just go. We just work. And um, and we focus on the ones that, that we're able to get here. You don't focus on the ones you miss. If you do that, you'll never be happy in life, right? So just a lot of enthusiasm, energy. So many people work hard to make this happen. Said it's It's just been a great day. That's what you mentioned your, in your press conference. You mentioned the, the creative team, the the you know down to the the custodians. But in, in terms of recruiting operations, how how much more elaborate is it now than when you were being recruited to Miami? Like, could you imagine? Like, I gotta have somebody who who takes the who does the photo shirt shoot the the person who edits the video clips, the person who who makes the edits. It's so different. I don't know if I would have done well in a photo shoot. I don't know if I'd be comfortable <laughs> with all those flashing bulbs, man, and all those, you know, those extras. But it, it it's completely different. It is, I remember first getting 
when I started working at Alabama and they said, hey, here's your recruiting assistant. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I'm, <laughs> I, I do my own work. I don't need an assistant. So, but there's so much volume. There's so much ground to cover. Uh, the world's a lot smaller now, right? The use of private jets, transportation, helicopters, right? That you could cover a lot of ground, but you, you still don't want to lose uh, the grassroots mentality. You still don't want to lose the mentality of cultivating certain areas and having area coaches. That's how you build relationships. One thing I've always found interesting about Miami recruiting, because we, we always talk about the Howard, Howard Schnellenberger state of Miami and the Dade Broward and Palm Beach counties, and, and you've got quite a few guys from that area in, in this class. But you know, you go back through the history. We've already talked about Russell Maryland being from Chicago. You know, Some of those great Miami teams had Canadian offensive linemen or a quarterback from California. How do you, how do you blend those things together and make sure you still are – recruiting your your backyard as hard as you can well miami is the melting pot of the world and if you come upstairs to where the uh, coaching offices are so are we i mean we're we're from american samoa we're from queens new york we're from havana cuba we're from everywhere and it's a, re a direct reflection of the city and even though we want to always we want to keep our best players home but we also uh, understand that miami is a national brand and we're going to be able to go all over the country and attract the best of the best so it makes for a great locker room and it's also it's a little bit more realistic as to what their locker room is going to look like in the nfl when they get to that level speaking of of that melting pot of coaches you have joe salave your d-line coach one of the few d-line coaches who looks like he could just put on a uniform today and play how good a job did he do during this cycle well i think him and jason taylor you know we, we kid all the time i we used to I guess upon arrival, it's like, man, our coaches look better than the guys we're recruiting. You know what I mean? <laughs> These guys are massive, you know, Hall of Famers in the Polynesian community, Hall of Famers in the NFL. Um, and what they've done is is just they've collaborated and have formed a tremendous um, just regimen and structure for our players. All of a sudden, a freshman like Ruben Bain becomes a freshman All-American. And that just it speaks volumes for development. And then you take their experience. And now you you put that on the road and you recruit. And naturally, they're just they're they're people that they have nothing to prove because of what they've done in their lives. But they live every day and work every day as if they have everything to prove. So they're awesome to be around. How much how much does a Reuben Bain or a Francis Maui Noah oh. help recruit this class because of what they could do as freshmen? Well, they either help it or they scare it away. Okay. <laughs> And by that, I mean, if you come to practice, you say, man, I either want to play with that guy or I want to play and practice against that guy. Or you say, hey, I want no part of it. So we get as many prospects as possible to practice. That's the best thing we do. Want to see our coaches coach, want to see our players, the intensity, um, the energy of practice, the demands that come with it and our style of coaching. Those two guys right there, they've been incredible because everything we preached about building, resetting the culture and the roster they're they're walking billboards for the program so it's been great well mario it sounds like you got more more big dudes coming in i know that makes you very very happy so uh good luck with the ones uh that those lines in the water we talked about we'll, we'll see if those come through but uh thank you so much for joining us okay appreciate you having me go Kings, brother. we will find out about the lines in the water the, the one big line in the water again jeremiah smith we no letter of intent at Ohio State. He has said he's going to Ohio State. But until that gets to Ohio State and Ohio State says, we welcome Jeremiah Smith to the class, everybody's going to be on edge. 
everybody. I don't know if the beer actually tasted better for Ryan Day because, well, something always happens. One thing that you can do to blow off some steam, have a little fun, make every sporting event just a little bit more interesting, you can download that Prize Picks app. If you do that and you use the code NSD as in National Signing Day, they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. And they're doing some really fun stuff these next few weeks. Uh, it is Pixmas. So your Pixmas gift is a Kevin Durant square. So that's what you pick squares. You pick at least two. You can pick up to five. And you decide more than or less than on an amount of points or yards or rebounds, depending on the sport and the player. And the Kevin Durant Pixmas present is that if he scores one point in his game on Christmas Day, you win that square. So you pick that one, and he scores a point, you won that one. And if you pick one more that wins, then you are in the money. Uh, they're also doing demon and goblin squares. So in honor of Washington making the college football playoff, let's talk about the last guy who quarterbacked Washington to a college football playoff, Jake Browning, who will be starting for the Bengals against the Steelers this week. Well, he has a, a demon passing yardage stat. If he throws for more than 274 and a half, if you pick that square and he throws for more than 274 and a half, now remember, they jack up the number to make it a little bit harder to win, but you can win up to 100 times your money. Up to 100 times. It's pretty fun. Also got the guy. If you want to do it a little bit easier, you go with the goblin number. Jake Browning's goblin number is 199.5 passing yards against the Steelers. So lots of ways to have fun with prize picks. They got college football squares. They put them out as we get closer to each bowl game. There's already a few out there for the, the college football playoff games. It's a ton of fun. Great to have a little bit of little bit of extra couple squares while you're watching the game. Download prize picks, use the code NSD, and they will match your first deposit up to $100. We'll stay in the Pacific Northwest. We're talking about Jake Browning, great Washington quarterback. We go to another new Big Ten team, and that is the Oregon Ducks. Dan Lanning, since he got to Oregon from Georgia, has been recruiting well, but also has become known for what he does in the transfer portal. You're going to hear in this interview how some of the things that have helped them in the high school recruiting also helped them in the transfer portal, specifically when he talks about finishing second in a recruitment. It's, a, it's kind of universal. It's really interesting. Here's Dan. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. We are joined by the CEO of Ducks, Inc., Dan Lanning. And it's been a, a big signing day for you, Dan. Uh, what What is this day like when you are actively working on guys that, that maybe weren't in your class last night? that you think you're going to get? Uh, do you sleep at all? Is that is that something that that you kind of go to bed knowing, okay, I still got a shot? Yeah, um, you sleep tonight. You don't sleep last night. 
Um, you know, we, it, it, everybody sees the product today, but they don't realize the time and effort that our staff and, um, you know, our players and just everyone that's involved, you know, in our organization puts into bringing great talent here. And um, there's a lot of late night talks that are happening and a lot of early morning talks this morning. Um, but you see it get to come to fruition today. Well, and, and like a guy like Jemiah McClellan, the receiver who committed and signed today and, and was had been planning to, to go to Ohio State, how far back does that recruitment go? Because I think people see the flip and assume, oh, Oregon just came on the scene. How long have you been talking to that guy? Well, I, I still remember the day that uh, he committed somewhere else. And he told me, I, you know, I remember asking him, hey, are you comfortable with me continuing to, to talk to you? Because I still think this is the best place for you. And um, ever since that moment, that that communication has continued to happen with everyone on our staff. And, um, you know, that's the thing when you recognize a guy that you think can be a dynamic piece of what you're doing and what you're building, you don't uh, throw in the towel, you keep working. And that's what we've, we've done over the last several months. As a young coach, do you have to, like when you were younger and you'd get that bad news that, hey, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else, coach. I, I think it's better for me. Do you have to tell yourself in the back of your head, okay, stay nice, be nice, be nice, because this might come back around. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just who you really are in those moments truly shows up. You know, some guys are going to pick us. Some guys are going to pick somewhere else. You know, I, one of the benefits right now with the way college football is set up is sometimes being second place isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, a couple of years later, you might get the opportunity to coach a guy again down the road, and that actually paid dividends again for us this year. So um, I think you just have to be who you are, and who you are is going to show up over time, and, and it's showing up with guys like that. Yeah, I, I know we're just talking about the guys who are, are coming in and new, and I know there are rules about who you can and can't talk about, but very interesting that you'd say that. Uh, someone you finished second for who uh, who may be coming back into the fold. So, uh, But let, let's let's continue with the uh, the guys that are, that are new. Uh, Elijah Rushing, one of the more aptly named people. I mean, you got an edge rusher named Rushing, but this is a guy from, from Tucson, Arizona, who looks like a difference maker maybe from the get-go, how did you wind up getting him? Yeah, persistency and, and consistency. You know, we stayed consistent um, with, with him over time and recognized a guy that not, not only has the physical attributes and uh, the character that we want in our program, but the eagerness to learn, um, the excitement to get better and better each day. Um, I think this guy's really excited about what he can become in this program. You see a, a talented player. Uh, that has a ton of upside, um, is already performing at a really high level. But when you combine that with great coaching, that's where the development takes place. So you are now recruiting as a Big Ten coach. Does that feel any different? Does that require anything different? Does that change where you go? You know, we're still going to go try to recruit the best players in the nation. I think more than anything, it gives a clear vision about, you know, where our program's headed and, um, you know, how we're going to be doing it and and who we're doing it with. So players want to be a part of great programs, right? And when you talk about great programs, great programs are often, you know, part of great conferences. And that's something that we have now uh, with some clarity going into the Big Ten. So how how is – how does December work for you? And I mean, this is a situation where, where you guys would be in the college football playoff if the 12 team had started this year. How, how can you imagine handling maybe preparing for a playoff game, this stuff, the, you know, getting the high school guys, all the stuff you guys do in the transfer portal, how, how is that all going to mix together? Well, it's a crazy dynamic, um, but it is what it is, right? You could sit here and complain about it and try to figure it out or, um, you could go ahead and just keep chopping. And that's kind of been our, our approach. Um, certainly, there's a lot of chaos in, in December, but the teams that handle that the best are going to be able to make their teams better. 
So we've talked multiple times about how targeted you guys are in the transfer portal in terms of what you're looking for. How targeted are you when you're looking for high school guys? Is, is there a certain position group more than the others that, that you say, okay, I would rather get these guys out of high school than out of the portal? Uh, not necessarily. You know, ultimately, I've, I've been you know pretty steadfast in the approach that we want to build from the ground up. You want to develop great high school talent um, and be able to do that. But on the same note, you know, the portal is something there that exists that can enhance your program. And we've done a really good job you know, in the portal of finding guys that fit us that can make an immediate impact. So we'll continue to use both. So Eli Drinkwitz told us he had a, a period where he had eight in-home visits in a 24-hour period. He said lots of charcuterie boards were laid out for him i'm wondering how many how many meals you know mom's home cooked meals have you eaten in a, in a you know 24 48 hour, hour period during these stretch runs when you're trying to close down a class well i gained nine pounds last week if that tells you so um, now it's time to get back you know back to business i think at one point there was a, there was a couple of days last week where i was in five states in one day it's um it's crazy and uh, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the chase. And I, I had some really good meals. I'll say that, you know, we've got some talented recruits coming in, but their moms can cook, too. I'll say that. I was going to say, which which moms uh, put the most pounds on you, you think? Oh, man, I, I don't know if I could pick because I didn't wait till the end of the week, but I ate a lot of great food. Let's just say that. <laughs> what when when you look at this this roster that you have now, how close is it to? what you envision when you got to Oregon about what you need to compete in the big 10 now that you're, you know, you're there and for national championships. Yeah, I think, you know, that's to, to be determined a little bit, you know, these days are exciting days because you think you're bringing in great players, but it is about evaluation. It is about development. So we have to see what these guys become. You know, we brought guys in that we're really, really excited about. I think they're going to allow us to compete at a really high level. Um, but, you know, part of that, uh, process is this journey right now and what they do you know coming forward once they step on campus all right well now you get to work with them and uh there a lot of them coming soon so appreciate it dan and uh good luck thank you andy have a good one that is dan lanning of oregon He is ready for the Big Ten, I think. I, I feel very confident saying that. I feel like they've got a roster that should be very competitive in the Big Ten. Now, another roster that is already competitive in the SEC because they're in a New Year's Six game this year, they would be in the college football playoff if the 12-team playoff had started this year, is Missouri. And Eli Drinkwitz, he's on a roll. He's done a good job of getting some of the best players in Missouri to stay with Missouri. You've seen it with Luther Burden. You see it again on Wednesday with Williams Nwari, the defensive lineman who is ranked number one overall in the whole country, not just in his position, but at all positions by on three. Talk to Eli about signing Williams, but also really interesting conversation here toward the end about the transfer portal and not necessarily what they're taking out of the transfer portal, but how he's handling the Missouri players who've gone into the transfer portal, because I haven't heard about any other coach doing it this way. Here's Eli. Joined now by Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz, and uh, it's been a big day in Como, but also other places around 
where you recruit Eli. You got billboards up. I saw Pine Bluff, Arkansas, Courtney Crutchfield and Austin Dendy to your side. He's like, they got their own billboards. Yeah, I mean, I, there's been a lot made by that on social media, but we've, we've been doing that for three years. Everywhere we get a commitment we in his hometown, we put up a billboard advertising uh, the promotion of our, our university, which is um, normal and new. I think there's a lot of programs that do it, but obviously with, with the way uh, Courtney and Austin's commitment went yesterday, I think it's uh, brought a little bit more attention to the rivalry. Well, and, and – I think there's some other programs that are stealing your idea. They saw it and liked it. And, and, and so we're, you guys are trendsetters. I think that's the way we need to look at it. <laughs> I, I'm sure we stole it from somebody, to be honest with you. But either way, <laughs> um, it's good for the student athlete, especially this day and age with NIL and the opportunity they have uh, to get started promoting themselves. So what better way for us to be proud of, of these young men joining our university and allowing them to have the spotlight uh, through, through some billboards? It's interesting to me. You you haven't shied away from the NIL part of it at all. I remember talking to you at SEC Media Days about you said your your state legislature has been helpful yeah. to you guys in, in terms of the, the way they've structured the laws. Uh, how did that you know help you with this class? Um, you know, really it wasn't as big a deal as maybe it could have been. Um, mm -hmm. but but obviously every year is gonna be a little bit different on, on who we're recruiting and how we're recruiting. Um but it has been beneficial for us as far as being on the cutting edge of name, image, and likeness. And I think that's something that um, everybody recognizes with the state of Missouri is that we're constantly trying to uh, be pro student athlete and be for our student athletes, being able to maximize um, their, their potential and earnings power. And, and I do wonder in terms of keeping those guys, so you got Williams Nwari, who's the, the yeah. number one overall player in our on three recruit rankings. And, how much do you have him talk to a guy like Luther Burden, who's a guy from Missouri, who is achieving everything you said he was going to be able to yeah. achieve at Missouri? Yeah, we absolutely do. We absolutely utilize. You know, I think recruiting or good recruiters are all about being able to sell what you've done in the past and what you plan on doing in the future. And obviously what we sell, what we've been doing in the past um, has a lot to do with Luther Burden, um, Cody Schrader, Brady Cook, um, Armand Mimbu. You know, and so we were able to tie all of those players in and not only talk about NIL. I think too many times right now, everybody just assumes that it's all NIL based. There's also a component of brotherhood player development. I think Kevin Peoples is one of the elite D-line coaches in the country, obviously did a really good job in this recruiting class. There's a brotherhood component. There's a, a proximity component, com component with um, being able to get your family to and from games and, and, and uh, and that matters to a lot of people and then putting on for your home state. So, you know, when I look at it, I think we had a total package that wasn't just NIL inclusive. So with Williams, tell me about him. What what caught your eye immediately? And obviously, this is a guy that everybody in the country wanted. But what is your favorite part of his game? Well, I mean, first off, he comes from a really good program. Lee Summit North, Coach Mosey, does an excellent job. Obviously, we have a pl couple of players in our program from there already, Logan Mucky and Armand Mimbu. And so we knew about uh, Williams. We had tracked him through seven-on-seven -seven camps, uh, team camps, you know, what, a lot of different in-person evaluations. He's got great size and length. He has pass rush ability. He can really bend. Um, and we can't wait for him to grow into his frame for, for Coach Russell to, to really develop him, Coach Peoples to, to make sure that he's developing his fundamentals and technique. And I think um, the sky is really the limit. We saw that progression with Armand 
you know, Armand came in early and was a contributor as a true freshman. And so, you know, hope we're, we're hopeful that we can apply some of that same um, opportunities to Williams. I, I love it when you're talking about a, a 270-pound, 275-pound guy growing into his frame. Yeah. That's absolutely terrifying if you're an offensive lineman. Yes. But <laughs> how important is it to build, like on the line of scrimmage, to to have those homegrown guys? I, I know you guys have been active in the portal, but it, it feels like the, the best line of scrimmage players typically are ones that signed out of high school. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a development course to the, the line of scrimmage, and you can't constantly be in this portal cycle, and so you want to be developing the guys uh, that, that have the ability. You always, in our opinion, want to start recruiting within a 300-mile radius of your home campus. Um, and so that that's what we really started with. Um, I think Williams – uh, is doing is going to be a, a key component to that. But when you look at our uh, five offensive linemen signees that we have in this class, all five of them are going to be early enrollees. They'll all be here in January. Uh, and so that's going to be a really big uh, addition for us to be able to have, again, that extra six months of player development and six months of scheme development. So can you imagine if you were doing all this, getting ready for the – because if there were a 12-team playoff, y'all would be in it this year. Can you yeah. imagine doing – all you're doing with signing these recruits, what you're doing in the transfer portal, dealing with the guys that that are in the portal from your your team now, and trying to to prepare for the playoff. No, you know I I, uh, I forgot how how crazy and hectic this time of year was uh, from last December, um, but it's you know this December has been a constant reminder. You know I did eight in home visits in a 24 hour period. Um, oh. last week and it, it it is um it's just a lot to to handle you know we've been in bowl practice uh, we actually had bowl practice this morning um so there's a lot of different things going on i think we're gonna have to really reconsider um what, what our calendar looks like specifically the month of december you know there's a lot of newness coming with this college football playoff and hope, hopefully it's an opportunity for us to reset this calendar to make a little bit more sense so that we can give the appropriate uh, time to these high school seniors that are signing you know i think it's uh it's kind of weird right now cuz you got signing day you got portal you got transfer tracker you got bowl games it's just a, it, it's it's taking a little bit of the spotlight off these young men achieving their dream of playing college football so eight in-home visits in a 24-hour period. Yeah. Now you can't offend mom. You have to. You have to eat what's put out for you. How many calories are you taking in on a day like that? Well, based off those pictures you put up, I'm getting close to adding back to that double chin that I tried so hard to get rid of. So, um, yeah, you know, I, you, you try not to. You ask them, hey, you don't have to cook, but there's always got to be like a charcuterie board or something <laughs> out. And I'm a I'm a sucker for a good charcuterie board, you know. Well, as, as one of my friends puts it, it's lunchable for adults. It's exactly amazing. Right. Exactly right. I mean, who can refer who can refrain from partaking in some some cheese and crackers? Exactly. Exactly. So you're an ex high school coach. Yeah. You you've talked about where, where signing day could could wind up. And and I know uh, there's people who say, Oh, just put it back in February. How would you feel about August first? And February for, or, you know, first Wednesday in February. How, how would you how would you feel about doing it that way? I mean, I think there's going to have to be a lot of different options discussed, right? I, I don't think any of us have a, a, a crystal ball to see what's absolutely best. I know there's going to be a lot of people who 
don't like any of the ideas because it may not be best for their particular situation. Um, you know, me personally, I do think with the end, you know, there's a natural separation between um, the summer and spring official visits and a dead period uh, right there in July that that would make uh, maybe an August 1st opportunity so that guys could sign and then focus on their senior years. Um, you know, so I do think that's a possibility. I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but I do think there's a possibility there. Um, and then still have one in February. I think you absolutely have to still have one in February. Um, but I do also think you're going to need some sort of early signing period because you're starting official visits so early in April that it would be really hard for somebody to do an official visit in April and still, I think, have the ability to sign that player if signing day was in February. So, you know, I think there's just going to have to be some sort of separation. Um, again, the month of December is just it's really, really convoluted right now. Well, and part of it for you, I, I thought it was interesting. I heard you in another interview talk about the guys who have entered the portal from your program. Yeah. You've told them you're welcome to come back. You're welcome to practice with us if you want and play in the bowl game if you want. What what led you to that decision? Um, you know, our brotherhood was really strong this year, and it takes every single person. We, we have a just us mentality to achieve what we achieved this year. And, uh, you know, getting an opportunity to go to the Cotton Bowl is a once-in-a-lifetime experience uh, for these players. And I sure didn't want them to have to decide between I really feel like I need to get in the portal to explore all my options or have a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I just want to take stress off of them and say, hey, I understand there's going to be guys that want to go get more playing time or this or that or the other. And you're still a valuable member of our brotherhood. We had three simple rules. Don't be a distraction. Um, and make sure you put the team first in your decisions. Um, and, and and they were able to do that. You know, last weekend, there were several of them that had to go to OVs, just asked that they were back by 4 o'clock for our Sunday practice, which was our first practice for Ohio State. I think it's been really good. I think it's uh, it shows our team that there's a level of compassion, um, you know, with our brotherhood and understanding that this is a journey that everybody's on. Um, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do or not the right thing to do, but it does work for us and it's going to work for us this year. And um, we wish those guys well that, that chose to, to handle it that way. It'll be interesting. I, I imagine some other coaches are taking notes to see how well it works for you, probably to watch <laughs> yeah. that bowl game, see how yeah. that works for you, because you're the first I've heard to do it that way. But but it does seem like it, it may work for you on on both ends as you are trying to bring in people out of the transfer portal, they watch yeah. you handling it that way. And maybe they think, okay, this is a program I'd like to play in. Yeah. I mean, maybe so. I, I really thought more about just us and our student athletes. I didn't really care how anybody else took it. It was really just about what's best for our team in, in having compassion in this scenario. You know, these young men are having to make tough decisions uh, to change where they're going to go to school. And if we could help alleviate that stress, um, I thought it was the right thing to do. And, and that's why we did it. Well, Eli, thank you so much, and uh, congratulations on the class, and good luck against the Buckeyes. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, very excited about this class and feel like it's just going to continue the momentum that we've built and very appreciative to all the families that are joining our, our team and our university. We go from Columbia, Missouri now to Columbia, South Carolina, where Shane Beamer signed two five-stars, including – the number one overall prospect in the state of South Carolina. I asked him, how different is it signing 
the number one prospect in the state of South Carolina now than when you were an assistant trying to sign the number one prospect in the state of South Carolina in 2009. We welcome Shane Beamer of South Carolina, who had probably a pretty restful night because by 8.05 a.m. Eastern time, South Carolina's recruiting class was was in. All the NIL, NLIs, NIL. I can't, coach, I can't get the letter straight anymore, but 8.05, you're done. Yeah, it was a uh, somewhat peaceful morning, but definitely wasn't a peaceful night, that's for sure. You know, <laughs> you, There's a lot of work that goes into signing day over years. And, uh, you know, tried to sleep a little bit, but that phone was uh, dinging throughout the night. So not much sleep last night, but once I got in here, everything was smooth and excited about this group we put together. So what are, what are those calls about that late? Is it, is it from the players themselves? Is it from your assistant saying, I'm worried about this guy. I'm worried about this guy. It was uh, assistant coaches actually just kind of uh, texting me and updating me on some things. You know, there were some guys that we had uh, or a lot of guys that, other teams were making a full court press on here in the last 48 to 72 hours. So a lot of those text messages were just from assistant coaches giving me an update. Uh, there were a couple guys that, you know, were making some decisions today that could have gone either way that we were monitoring. So really it was uh, the text messages uh, early this morning while everyone was sleeping were from assistant coaches, basically updates. But, you know, I can remember when I was in here as an assistant coach and, and we were recruiting Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, that was a middle of the night phone call with Alshon about all kinds of stuff. So last night was just coaches, though. Well, Lane Kiffin had told him he was going to be pumping gas if he went to South Carolina. So you guys had to had to defuse that bomb. It's by the way, if, if you're pumping gas into a Bentley or a Rolls Royce, which is what he ended up doing, uh, does that does that count? <laughs> so. You said it, not me. Uh, exactly, exactly. Well, okay, but I did. It's interesting that you brought up Alshon Jeffrey because you were on that staff at South Carolina when you got Alshon and Stephon Gilmore, who were great in-state recruits for South Carolina. Josiah Thompson's the number one recruit in your state. He's the number two <laughs> offensive tackle recruit in the country. You signed him today. That's I'm assuming one of those guys that w the day you get this job, you're told about him. And hey, there's this guy in Dylan. He's young. He's big. How much has recruiting changed since you were trying to lock down Alshon Jeffrey and Stephon Gilmore and then trying to get Josiah Thompson to sign with you now? Yeah, so much. Um, I think when we were recruiting Alshon, I don't even think texting was legal to recruits. Um, at that point, I mean, I think you had to like email and literally write handwritten letters, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I make Alshon mm -hmm. sound old, but I'm pretty sure that you couldn't text back then to recruit. So it's changed so much. It's the attention on recruiting, the technology, uh, probably more than anything. And it's just the fact that they all, everybody knows each other, all these recruits, just because of social media, all-star games, combines. Uh, the world is a lot smaller in a lot of ways, without a doubt. But absolutely, the success that we were able to have here previously started with being able to keep the best players in South Carolina at home. And we've done that now for the most part, you know, signing, I think, four out of the top five guys in South Carolina this year. Uh, last year, same thing, guys we brought in like Marquis Anderson. So we've really done a good job of recruiting this state first. And you're right, Josiah, uh, Cam Pringle, Blake Franks, Mazio Bennett, all four of those guys are in-state South Carolina guys. Kelvin Hunter is another one that when I got here, got hired three years ago this month, we immediately, you know, went to work because you knew about those guys and we needed to make sure that we started developing that relationship immediately. 
you mentioned how well these guys know each other. Uh, Dylan Stewart is a five-star edge rusher that you got from the D.C. area, and you got Nick Harbour out of the D.C. area last year. That seems to have been a, a nice fertile ground for you, but I heard you talking to to Peter Burns and Darinoka on SEC Radio about the fact that now some of these parents know one another from different recruiting classes, different parts of the country, yeah. and they actually help you with the recruiting process. Yeah, um, it's huge. Um particularly there in D.C., you know, and when you go back, when we've been recruiting these guys for so long, they're on our campus a lot, whether it be for official visits, unofficial visits, whatever it might be. So when you're doing that, the families are getting to know each other. So we've got a great – this class that we've signed, it's a great group of young men. They're great people, and they come from great families. And the moms have gotten to know each other already and, and young men in our program already – uh, that are from the D.C. area, for example, you know, those moms recruited the moms of the mom of Dylan Stewart uh, this year. And uh, it's pretty cool when when you've got somebody in your program that they vouch for what you're doing in your program uh, to someone else. You know, that's, that's your greatest recruiting asset right there when somebody that's in the middle of it. This year, for example, uh, Jalen Kilgore. Jalen Kilgore is a true mm -hmm. freshman on our team, was a freshman All-SEC, freshman All-American his brother is transferring into our program from Tennessee Tech. So that makes me feel proud that the parents of a freshman of ours feel good enough about what we're doing in this program and how we treat our players that they want their other son to be a part of it also. Well, it, it always feels like when you win mom, it feels like you have you have a shot, right? That That is that is the first hurdle you have to clear, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. You know, we always talk about trying to – develop strong relationships with with everyone in their circle if you will and and mom dad girlfriend aunt uncle brother sister teacher coach mentor there's a lot of people that influence these guys but i think the key as a recruiter is to or as a coach that's recruiting is to try and figure out you know who's helping these guys make the decision and get to know them as well but certainly uh i'm mama's boy and and most of these guys are so you want to uh you definitely want to make sure that, that that mom feels good about sending her son to your program. Well, well, the D.C. thing, though, wasn't that you didn't decide to take over the D.C. area and start getting five stars out of there until your dad retired. Right. Or was that <laughs> is that more making mom happy, not, not trying to steal recruits from dad? No, it was a uh, part of it. I mean, that was a big recruiting area for him. Virginia Beach, Richmond, D.C. And and, uh, you know, I'm a competitor, so I wanted to. Uh, you always want to win your share of battles, but it certainly was a little bit tough. Not so much because you're going against your dad, but because they had a, you know, stranglehold on a lot in a lot yeah. of ways on that area, and it was just going to be tough to get guys out of Virginia, D.C. If Virginia Tech wanted them, and uh, now you know there's an opportunity, and we've done a great job of not just going into the D.C. area, but being able to go into Virginia Beach. We got a great player out of Virginia Beach this year, or, or, or Tidewater area, and uh, Fred J.R. Johnson, who's a fantastic player. And we've had players on our team from Richmond, Virginia. And, and uh, we'll continue to as well. So that's an area It's easy for those kids, you know, those young men and their families to to get down here. It's an easy drive and uh, an area that we want to continue to recruit for sure. I want you to put on your special teams coach hat. You signed a kicker this year, Mason Love from Missouri. Yep. How different is recruiting punters and kickers? It's hard. It really is. Um, I'll be honest, and, and we've got total confidence in Mason, but a lot of the places that I've been where we signed a kicker or punter, they don't always pan out. And I've been a couple places where you give a scholarship to someone at a high school and he ends up getting beat out by the guy you brought in as a walk-on. Um, it's just 
it's hard to project, um, you know, but we, we, we've had a lot of eyes on, uh, on Mason, myself, Pete Limbo, uh, Tyler uh, Zelensky, our analyst, and, and we all feel really good about him, but that is a, uh, that's a tough one, you know, to, to evaluate in a lot of ways. You try and get them on your campus in camp, or maybe you're going to watch them kick in person, but we were very thorough on it. Pete, our special teams coach, he went and, and watched a lot of guys kick live and um, in person multiple times also, and then tried to get them on our campus also, because it's a lot like a quarterback. You're only going to offer one and you better get it right. Cause if you don't, it can certainly set you back. Well, you mentioned earlier, you had, you know, several guys in this class that, that people made the the last 48 hour push for, and I know you've been on both sides of that you've, you've tried to flip guys in the final 48 you've had people try to flip from you what is what does that feel like when you are you're the guy trying to do the flipping and you know that person has said they're going to this other school but your job's to to try to get them to go to your school it is um i'll be honest a lot of those a lot of those instances are when someone that is committed to another school has open the door for you and express that maybe they're not real sure about going to wherever that place is. And that happened. There was a couple instances of that uh, this year. And uh, it was nobody necessarily that we were pursuing. It was somebody that we were aware of, but um, somebody, they opened the door, you know, towards the end also. So it's part of it. You know, you don't like it. I focus on the guys that are committed to us and want to be here. Uh, as well is is my priority, but certainly when there's an opportunity that somebody you know presents you, you're going to try and put your best foot forward and try and get them here. And and you know that you know nothing's official to the end, but uh, proud of our guys, the ones that we did sign because they've been committed to us for a long time and uh, they held strong and, and withstood the advances of a lot of you know big time programs here across the country. Well, and, and the only reason it was eight oh five and not seven oh five. Is you had some central time, guys. Exactly. That, that tells you how committed they were. It took five minutes to be done. Everybody woke up and sent them in. So yep. it sounds like they want to be Gamecocks pretty bad. No, they were awesome. It's a competitive group. It's great young men. I'm on a group text with all of our commits or signees now. And they were all talking last night, you know, kind of competing to see who was going to be the, uh, the first one to get their stuff in. So they all got it in early and drama free. And that's what I like. Guys that love football, guys that want to be Gamecocks, knew they wanted to be Gamecocks and put pen to paper or whatever you want to call it first thing this morning and made it official and, and moved on with their day. All right. Shane Beamer, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. What a national sign today. Thank you to all the coaches who came on. Got a couple more tomorrow. Mike Norvell from Florida State and Josh Heupel from Tennessee. Maybe we have a little more clarity tomorrow. Jeremiah Smith was trying to get flipped by Florida State. Also, Miami trying hard to flip him from Ohio State. As we are talking right now at 9.17 Eastern time on Wednesday night, Jeremiah Smith's NLI not at the Ohio State University yet. Not there. So perhaps there will be some clarity overnight or maybe some clarity on Thursday. Also, perhaps there will be some clarity on Jordan Seaton the top-ranked offensive tackle recruit. Remember, he committed to Colorado. Quite a media blitz to commit to the Buffaloes. But right now, unclear whether he's going to sign with them. Maryland 
is very big in the picture for Jordan Seaton. So we're going to find out more. Keep it tuned here to the On3 YouTube page. Also On3.com, of course. But J.D. Piquel will be along with the hard count on Thursday. Also, if you're not already following the On3 Recruits page, subscribe to the On3 Recruits YouTube stream and On3 Recruits on the various social media platforms to get up to the second news. That's where Josh Newberg and the Inside Scoop live, and they will get you everything you need to know about all the stragglers who haven't signed just yet. Hopefully we'll have an answer by tomorrow, but I'll tell you what tomorrow is, because remember, this is the Wednesday show, and normally we do Dear Andy on Wednesdays, but we didn't get a chance because obviously it's National Signing Day. So I want your questions, college football questions, recruiting questions, you name it. Now that you've had a chance to digest National Signing Day, see what everybody brought in, ask me your questions. Hit me up, Andy underscore Staples on Twitter, Andy underscore Staples on Instagram, Andy Staples on three at gmail.com. Send your questions. Turn the camera on yourself. Send them on video. Be internet famous for a second. Andy Staples on three at gmail.com. Andy underscore Staples on your social media platforms. Love your questions. We'll answer some of them on tomorrow's show. Plus, Mike Norvell and Josh Heupel. Thanks so much for a great National Signing Day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.